0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And in McDonald's for a limited time.
1: You're listening to the best of Kevin and Inquiry on 93.5 and
2: 107.5. The Fan. This from Ivan. Parks Frazier sounds like the fake name you give a cop when you're underage drinking at a high school party that gets busted. <laughs> now, that happened to you, right? Well, yeah, but Parks Frazier didn't really pop into my head right away. That was the problem, right? Yeah. I don't know how effective. I think that would have got me in worse trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I Parks told you- Frazier's the name of like a son of a character at like Bushwood Country Club or something. Oh, it's Parks <laughs> Frazier here. and play nice 18. I'm just picturing... McLovin hanging out with parks
3: fraser now that i have said that I, I just always felt like parks fraser like to me parks fraser is you know the new hilarious sitcom on paramount parks fraser starts yeah, wednesday combine it all right right but nonetheless he's the guy that will be calling the plays i, I guess a better question would be this from what you've been able to gather kevin is Parks Fraser simply being asked to pick plays from the Colts repertoire that everybody already knows, or has he actually been given any sort of creative licensing on the way that they're going to do things and maybe incorporating different areas or different wrinkles?
2: No, I mean, I think they're still running Frank Reich's offense. Right. I think it's just, yeah, I guess, trying. I don't know, cater more to Sam Ellinger's strength, like I thought a big issue from Sunday, and of course we didn't talk about it very long because (laughs) the news cycle quickly changed. I mean, Sam Ellinger got sacked nine times last week, and I can't recall many, if any, times the Colts tried to get him out of the pocket or move the pocket. Like when you lined up against New England and tried to go mano a mano euro line versus their D line, you just got whipped. And I felt like that was an issue from Frank Reich on Sunday, in that. He didn't acknowledge or realize there was a disadvantage up front. Again, Ellinger is not a guy that you want dropping back in the pocket and acting like he's Tom Brady back there. You want to get him out of the pocket. You want to get him on the move. So I think that will be something that I'm watching for on Sunday. Um, Because Max Crosby and Chandler Jones is a pass rush duo on paper. Really, really impressive. Um, Now they haven't. I should say their name recognition is very, very impressive. They have not been a great sack team at all. I think they're dead last in the NFL in sacks, which is probably music to the ears of Chris Drosser. About time, right? Granted, maybe they won't be last after facing the Colts.
3: What's the best way for your offensive line to find improvement? (laughs) Go against the defensive line that sucks just as bad. (laughs) This Sunday, the Colts, the Raiders. Yeah, you do sound like Kevin Harlan. You like that? Yeah, I'm Kevin like, Harlan. That surprises me though. That's like the marquee broadcast group,
2: right? Or, well, it's or close a four to four o'clock kick. So I don't know if that plays into it, but yeah, it they're is. the B crew. I'd say. If I would say Kevin Harlan and Trent Green are right up there. Yeah. Would I and Eagle be above them or no? For Nance Romo, obviously, are the A. The B. I think I I like Kevin Harlan a lot. I would say he's the B crew. He's certainly in the upper quartile. Yeah. Plus, it's Colts Raiders. The rivalry is back on. Clearly. <laughs> Chris Bauer and Josh McDaniels, handshake on the field before the game? Oh, boy. Someone's going to get pistol whipped, I think. It's
3: not the first time they've seen each other, though, right? Obviously.
2: Yeah, New England here last year. Yeah. So, um, they would have potentially crossed past then. Who has better chance Josh McDaniels has his current job in 2023 or Chris Bauer? Oh. <laughs>
3: Josh McDaniels. Yeah, have they hired... Have the Raiders hired a definitive replacement yet? I think you've said a very good point, Kevin. There were a couple of questions I had for you about the Colts. The first one is a point that you've made a couple of times this week. And truth be told, I can't recall if you've said them on the air and people have heard you say it or if it's when we've been sitting around talking about things off the air. But... If you're Chris Ballard, if Chris Ballard and Jeff Saturday are both working for the Colts in, let's say, late February, Jim Irsay is listening to Jeff Saturday before he's listening to Chris Ballard. Do you believe that to be true? Without a doubt. So if you're Chris Ballard, that's uncomfortable, is it not?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be uh, I'd be reading the room. <laughs> this is a little, well, I don't know, Jake. Maybe it's not a little thing. You were observing Chris Boward's body language on Monday during that press conference, correct? Yeah. A reason why the Colts did not post a photo gallery from Monday's press conference up on their website, those in the organization were viewing Chris Boward's body language and realized how bad it looked. And they're like, "Yeah, let's, let's not try and get too many images out there in the public eye from how our GM was acting on Monday during the press conference, so I'm I'm not out of my mind. No, not at all. They literally did not post a photo gallery to their website because Chris Ballard looked like me watching Notre Dame and Radford last night in the final few minutes.
4: Y'all have been kicking the
5: out of me for years for not drafting wideouts, and all of a sudden I look up and you know we're underperforming on the offensive line right now.
3: I still don't understand what that meant. Yeah, to be I honest didn't follow that either, but so kevin from your understanding and i'm not trying to put you in a bad spot here maybe i'm about to though but from your understanding because chris ballard as far as i've known is a guy that inside the building was really well liked and respected and everybody thought he was like this fabulous guy Mm -hmm. has has that shine doled at all or is that still the case
2: um yeah, it's, to be totally fair, I, I don't know if I have a great grasp on that. Um, as it dulled a dulled bit, sure. I, I don't think it's the level to how people viewed his predecessor and Ryan Grigson in that role. Um, so I, I wouldn't say it's to that level. But again, I think we all can read the tea leaves. If Jim Mersey's picking up the phone and making one call about his organization right now or the first call he's going to make, um, and I think this will continue moving forward, I think it'll be to Jeff Saturday before it'll be to Chris Ballard. And you know how much does that kind of rub Bauer the wrong way, and does Bauer get to a point where it's like, man, I don't have the same voice that I thought I that that I once had? Uh, Does that make me rethink my position within the organization, my desire to want to be here? Um, A lot of these are bigger picture questions, but these are all questions I've thought about since Monday. I'll go back to a point I made earlier in the show today, Jake. I'm very curious to see what they do at quarterback the rest of the year.
3: Well, that was my second question for you is all of a sudden we go from Matt Ryan is probably not going to play the rest of the year to
2: Matt Ryan's not on the injury list. Wait, what? Gotten some mixed signals on how they've handled quarterback reps, particularly yesterday with Matt Ryan back at practice. I just, just play Sam Ellinger. That's my thought. But then, Jake, I also can acknowledge, like, Jeff Saturday's an interim, and Jim Mercer wants Jeff Saturday to do really, 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 really well. Does that mean Matt Ryan gives you the best chance in the short term to accomplish that? Like, Jeff Saturday wants to do well. Right. Does, again, Matt Ryan, and I guess throw Nick Foles in there, but in the short term, considering all the chaos, and now you're on your third offensive coordinator in three weeks for Sam Ellinger, One of those veterans, does that give you the better chance? And that's where it's such... You've said several times this week, Jake, you feel like there's so many inconsistencies with the message. Totally. And I think this is another one on that list. What they do at quarterback, it is no longer what Frank Reich said a few weeks ago in saying Sam Ellinger is our guy for the rest of the season. That, to me, is not etched in stone. I think it should be, but in my mind, it's not. And I'm very interested to see how it plays out.
3: Jim Merce has seen what happens to a quarterback when you don't have consistency and stability around that quarterback. Jim Merce has also seen what happens to a quarterback when he has the same coordinator, the same line, the same receivers, the same running back from one game to the next to the next to 10 years. So you would think that the first thing, that if he wants to give the best opportunity to Sam Ellinger, that he would be adamant and defiant about the fact that there is consistency in all areas around him.
2: But do you think Jeff Saturday all of a sudden, you know, gets into a team meeting room and is like, boy, Sam Ellinger's been doing this, he might raise his hand and... utter a different phrase
4: we have Matt Ryan <laughs> uh,
2: hey Jake you
3: guys are collectively using quartile entirely too much how do you not I mean when you when you are introduced to and it is a word I mean credit to Jim Mersey's vernacular there but come on tremendous when you I have the greatest of that you got to use it right that's that like? rare air
2: there's <laughs> even too much but it's rare air we got to talk about Very good rare air. word by jim mercy and i thought jake did a beautiful job of uh, just putting it to a problem a math problem yeah well
3: that's what i do i'm jake query math algebra expert not really the guy's a winner <laughs> thank you
4: Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Raise a
0: spoon to Grandma,
4: who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for
0: McNuggets and the Play Play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. At participating McDonald's for a
4: limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
3: Eight o'clock on Veterans Day. Again, thank you to those of you who have served in the United States Armed Forces in whatever capacity it might be. Thank you for your service and certainly hope that you enjoy the day that of course, year-round, I guess, those in the military are worthy of a thank you, but yes, thank hope you. hope you are enjoying it today. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. It is Kevin and Quarry on ninety three five one zero seven five. 107.5, The Fan, getting set for the weekend, and Greg Raikstra joins us now on the Payless Suckers Hotline to talk about a number of subjects. Greg, we'll begin with the fact that I love, love, love this time of year Because it inches closer to my favorite weekend, and I think there are a few things that are more electric, pardon the pun, than the lighting of the tree just outside of us here on Monument Circle and the buzz downtown, the Pacers playing, and the high school football state finals all centered around Thanksgiving. I absolutely love it. And we're getting close, right? Just a couple rounds left.
1: Correct, so we are down to 24 games across the state. None of those are tonight, a couple of those are tomorrow because the distance that the teams from the southeast corner of the state have to go play the teams from the southwest corner of the state. So 48 teams are left playing, and yes two weeks from the I will be able to show a shot of the fireworks downtown while we are playing a state championship football game at Lucas Oil Stadium.
2: Rick, I do want to get to your call tomorrow, because I know that's a big one, but let's begin with tonight and, like you said, the regional round. Uh, I believe you were telling me earlier in the week, Center Grove and Warren, on your slate for tonight, uh, but when you look at the 6A class, you got a couple of different regional matchups locally that are pretty big.
1: Correct, and, and this is kind of I'm going to say how we thought it would play out in terms of teams. Well, there's no, there's no real stunners. I think of the teams that are left playing, but again, it shows you now the number of six A teams in the Indianapolis area continues to grow. You know, you've got Lafayette, Jeff, and Carroll of Fort Wayne are the two non-indy teams, and Jeff often plays Indianapolis teams as part of their schedule. So you've got HSC at Westfield, you've got Cathedral in Brownsburg, you've got Warren and Senate Grove. And those latter three matchups are all rematches of regular season games. Senator open a low scoring game, beat Warren in week number one. Warren has, has, has changed their team over and has a new quarterback, a young man that was sitting out as a transfer. So I'm not sure how much weight you put into a week one matchup in week 13. I think that's double or triple the case for this one. Um, you know, Cathedral and Brownsburg was a week two game. Uh, and I know that, that Brownsburg, again, of what I've seen this year, Brownsburg's best is better than anybody else that I have seen, but is Cathedral certainly capable of beating them? Yes. And Cathedral was complicit in their own demise in terms of some untimely turnovers led to easy points for Brownsburg when when the bird won that matchup in a high-scoring game back in week number two. And then HSC and Westfield, you know, HSC has run the table so far, which means they beat Westfield earlier this year. I think the big concern for Westfield going into the postseason was at the line of scrimmage. Could they hold up? Well, they've had no problem in getting past a couple of physical teams in Carmel and Noblesville. So I would imagine that game is going to be a close one tonight as well. They're great games all across the state, but in 6A alone, the matchups locally are all really good.
2: Is my uh, Bowen brother from up in the region, is he going to win Mr. Football? As in
1: Drake? yes uh there is certainly a good shot at it and again on the on the 6a powerhouse teams locally where often mr football has come from there is not that you know dominant star this year there's really good players there's guys that are division one talent but this is not caden curry from a year ago this is uh you know not carson Steele from from the year before that this is you know, a, a pretty obvious choice. You're going to the in-state school, uh, you know that that is the national power. You have already won multiple state championships in multiple sports. In other words, he's got the curating and the resume to back it up. so, good chance that it's going to stay in family this year for you kev
3: thank you greg i ask you this question a lot greg rake is our guest um to kind of put a bow tie on the high school coverage and then we'll get everybody as to where they can see and hear these games coming up here in just a second but this is a question that i ask you a lot and i apologize for it but when we're talking about high school athletes i always like to give this tip of the cap give me the team or storyline at any level that is remaining here in the state football playoffs. You know, we know about Cathedral. We know about Brownsburg. The school that has been off the radar where their players are working just as hard and have been a really good story that maybe they haven't gotten their proper due.
1: My favorite matchup in that ilk tonight would be Owen Valley and Monrovia. And these two are not that far apart from each other. Uh, For many years, they are members of the same conference, the Western Indiana Conference. Owen Valley is four years removed from being 0-10. They have now won their sectional back-to-back years. They are 12-0. and Their big win during their tournament run was knocking off the defending 3A champs in Gibson Southern. And Gibson Southern, really good team, but but nowhere near what they were with, with Brady Allen, Rory Helsley, others from last year's 3A state championship team. They are taking on Monrovia, who was 2-7 and seven during the regular season. Their sectional 29 was upset after upset. Danville knocked off Tri West and Western Boone, two teams to beat them in the regular season. Then Danville got beat at Monrovia last week. Monrovia, obviously, a team that, that for a stretch of time, you know, they were making regular appearances at Lucas Oil Stadium. 2A champs in 2015, uh, semi state in 2016 and 2A. Now, enrollment wise, as. Uh, all of the warehouses have continued to move in that direction uh, you know, from the airport. Uh, all of a sudden, Monrovia is having an enrollment boom, and they are now in 3A. Um, one of those two teams, and I would th- say Owen Valley is the favorite, one of those two teams is going to be heading on to the semi-state and potentially to a state championship game. So the underdog story that, that I think even with one team being 12-0 goes both ways, is OV in Monrovia coming up later tonight.
2: Again, from the ISC Sports Network, he is Greg Rakestraw. He's got a little Monon Bell action tomorrow. I do want to shift gears to the Colts rake. Um, We've talked all week long about Jeff Saturday and Monday through Friday. I mean, you know, it's hard to argue against what Jeff Saturday has shown. I think Colts fans and, and, you know, even talking to guys in that locker room, he is a much different leader, and I think you – quickly feel his presence, and considering the early game results that the Colts are having under Frank Reich, um, I'm curious to see if you know a new leadership change will impact that. As far as Sunday's concerned, though, for Saturday, which I know sounds weird because his last name's a day of the week, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jeff Saturday as an in-game coach, what are you most curious about coming up when that ball's kicked at 4.05?
1: Well, again, I, I think what we're clearly going to have for the first time in a while is a is a CEO coach. And, and I'm not saying that Frank Reich ever met on the defense, but yes, he had overall concerns, but he was thinking about calling plays. And that's what you wanted him to be doing, at least most wanted him to be doing uh, during the four and a half years of, of his tenure with the Colts. Well, now you've got a guy that's going to have oversight really on on all three phases. And so... I'm really curious to see what his sideline, I wouldn't even say demeanor, is going to be, although that's going to be a new experience for him too, but just how involved, and we won't know how involved he's going to be on the headsets, but, you know, is, is he bopping back and forth between kind of, you know, positional meetings uh, at, at times? Uh, you know, is is, is he going to, you know, we, we think he's going to be kind of more rah-rah in terms of, you know, Getting in somebody's grill, potentially, you know, slapping somebody on the backside, whatever the case may be. But I, I think I'll be—I wouldn't say I'll be watching the game as much for Jeff Saturday, because it's not the way it works in the National Football League. But I will be curious when we see those cutaway shots in Vegas, exactly how Jeff carries himself on the sideline. I'm sure it will be different than Frank, because his responsibilities are going to be different. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm quite curious to watch it play out for the first time.
3: So, Kevin, just to be clear, since we no longer can do it on Mondays from him directly, we talked about on Thursday the fact that on Fridays we're going to get Saturday's thoughts on what could happen on Sunday, right? Who's on first? That's right. Greg, by the way, you've spent some time in the Cincinnati area, right, Greg? I don't know why I'm thinking that, but didn't you work in Ohio for a while? I did not
1: work in Ohio. My wife was from Cincinnati for okay. about fifteen months. I lived in Harrison and commuted to Indianapolis. So, so there apparently couldn't... in You're since
3: in the greater Cincinnati area there's a Parks Fraser Township. Is there really? That's what I'm told. See, I learned something new every time I talk to you, Jake. That's right. Well, I mean I, hey, I learned that today as well. You know, who knows? Parks right? Fraser Little League. <laughs> That's right. Uh Greg, did you we we'll haven't really had a chance to talk to you about this? You know, when, when you were doing the post-game show after the Colts' last outing, which was not a good one, No, I think we anticipated that there was the possibility of change. Did you think it would be this seismic?
1: No, no. I mean, I, was I stunned when Frank was let go? No. And I got to the point where I thought maybe it carries out the season or maybe it was going to be as soon as the Colts were officially eliminated from the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I thought maybe it'd be a, a, a few weeks later than it was. Um, but <laughs> obviously the Jeff Saturday news, um, allow me to relate where exactly you were when it came down. So after Jake does three spectacular hours of radio with Kevin Bowen on Monday mornings, he'll have a, a, a quick kind of team meeting. Uh, and then he will head to the IIC sports network studios, to film his television show, Brian Schultz, here around the state, on Comcast 81, ISC Sports Network, and a variety of ISC social media channels. When Jake and Derek are in studio, uh, I am behind the scenes on the other side of the glass, uh, serving as some sort of flunky role uh, in the uh, in the yeah. production.
3: Which is so, normally reserved for me in all areas, yes.
1: Right. Uh, so we, 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 we you know change things up for television. So anyway, um, it's a five-segment show, and normally it goes about an hour 15, an hour 30, somewhere in between in the middle of segment three of that program comes the Jeff Saturday news, the Frank news that happened before the show. So we had that right off the top, but we do this live to tape and then it debuts usually on Monday nights. And there are some stories that we miss like Sam Ellinger becoming the starting quarterback. That happened literally just after we finished filming a couple of weeks ago. But in this case, uh, Jake and Derek are having a riveting discussion on the Big Ten West, and does the Big Ten West actually have to have a team playing at Lucas Oil Stadium? Is it going to be a Michigan or Ohio State Squad scrimmage instead? Well, anyway, I see this news, and let's face it, these days the authenticity of a blue check mark seems to mean less than it did about four or five days ago. Um, but I see the Adam Schefter story, and from my Andrew Luck experience, I go verify this. Look at it. Okay, make sure it's the right account. Yeah, that's the right account. And so I text, I text Derek, and that is because I don't trust Jake, uh, not because I don't trust trust Jake just to break said news. Jake's back is to me as we're filming the show. In other words, I think I have a, a line of sight to Derek, where I can basically point to my phone and say, "Read your phone," um, you know, and, and that way we try to have some sense of continuity on the program. Well, of course, Derek doesn't get that message and Jake hears my voice that cuts through walls and basically looks at Derek and says, read your phone. And when Derek reads his phone, I thought that, that both guys have pretty good processing that in real time. But Kevin, I've literally known Jake for over 20 years. I literally know him well enough where I can see like, like the mental wheels turning as to <laughs> I have to speak about this professionally. There was like a five-second, almost like coming to terms with this in his own mind. Well, I think the coming to terms with Greg was the
3: fact that I was sitting there thinking to myself, we just had him on the radio two hours ago. Right. And I'm thinking, (laughs) so, you know, you wonder then how much did he know? How much was this in process? How spontaneous was this? I mean, one of my first thoughts was to go back and listen to the segment. Yeah. Because then you wonder if there were clues, right? There was a tip of the hand.
2: and And again, he knew. He knew full well. I'm just like picturing... You know him telling Jim, Mercer, hey Jim, I got this radio interview I got to do. Can I sign that after I get, you know, get off the air?"
1: I got to so cry about some white I, walls. Um, I, I, I assume no, no, no Saturdays on Monday anymore. Is that is that a done deal now at this point?
2: Unfortunately. Uh, you yep. yep. Hey, listen.
3: Okay, so Greg, that leads to the other question, and that is with what we call advancing the story. When you look forward now. On this situation with Jeff Saturday, my personal belief, we've talked about this a lot, but I want yours, and I don't want to put you in a bad spot because I know you do the postgame for them and, and et cetera, but is Jeff Saturday, has he been brought in on West 56th Street because of a more elevated design role for him within the organization?
1: It certainly could be. And, again, I, I here's how I phrased this on the postgame show last week. When I basically said, listen, everyone is auditioning for their job at this point. Head coach, and clearly, I seem to have a good radar for that. Um, General manager, players, everyone. Uh, Again, did I think that the change would be this cataclysmic? No. Um, But but everybody has an eight-week audition as to what their role is going to be going forward. So hence the inference as to Is Jeff Saturday not coaching? Does Jeff Saturday have some sort of front office role next year, whether that's general manager, something else, working with Chris Bauer, whatever the case may be? Anything is possible. Not to channel Kevin Garnett at 8.16 in the morning, but who knows what the coaching staff or front office could look like 10 to 12 weeks from now with eight football games left to play.
2: Rick, put injury, and again, Greg Raikstra is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Put injury to the side, if you don't mind answering this question: Over/under two and a half starts for Nick Foles and Matt Ryan at quarterback the rest of the season?
1: I would say, I would say under, just because. Again, if I don't think there is going to be a concerted effort to tank. But at the same time, if you pick up more losses, and if you get to a point where you're not going to be a playoff team, why in the world would you play Matt Ryan or Nick Foles at this point? You need to see exactly what you have in Sam Ellinger. And again, after week number one, Sam played well, but I think he's the future quarterback in the football team. I thought it's way too little of a sample size. After week two... I'm also not going to write Sam Ellinger off for how bad that was on Sunday because of the sample size and and, and because of the situation and because of the beating that he took back there. Um, Devil's advocate,
2: Rake, and sorry to interrupt, does Jim Merce need to evaluate Jeff Saturday with a more of a veteran QB and not a guy in Ellinger who has been thrown into a pretty awful situation with three OCs in three weeks?
1: Oh, well, I would say Jeff in turned into a pretty awful situation too. And so I'm not sure if Jeff is going to be judged completely or solely or even primarily on wins and losses. How he evaluates in-game decisions. what what does he get the most of out of the personnel? How does the you know the locker rooms react to him great today? How are they going to feel about him on December 10th? Well, they won't care. They'll be able to buy. How are they going to feel about him on November the 29th? Um, I, I think those are the things that we're evaluating Jeff on, for whatever his role is going to be with his organization going forward. So, yeah, there's some truth to that. But, again, I, I, I don't think the record will be the primary factor as to what Jeff Saturday's role with his organization is going forward, say, after G- January 9th.
3: I mean, Greg, to me, it's, it's like a, a, a double-edged sword here. How do you evaluate Sam Ellinger when you don't really know the the blueprint in front of him in terms of what team is around him now versus what team would be around him in two years in terms of the way they look, the way they, they're built, who's, who's going to be around? And then at the other point, how do you know the blueprint of what you've built, whether or not that's going to work if you don't know who's going to be their quarterback? You know what I mean? It's like a double-edged sword.
1: Absolutely. So you all you can do is get the most amount of game tape on him as possible. At least, you know, 10 games of tape is going to be better than three games of tape. Let's put it that way. And trying to give him some sort of consistent, as consistent as whatever this is going to be the rest of the year can be, give him, you know, that level of consistency going forward. Um, you're trying to get the most amount of tape as possible. And frankly, I don't think this is going to be completely on Sam. A lot of it is going to be, too, kind of making a best guess as to where you are going to be from a draft standpoint and what you think of the quarterbacks that will be available when you're drafting at that position. That you'll get a clearer picture of uh, as the season goes along.
2: Rick, we'll close with this. Um, tomorrow you're on the call, correct, from Greencastle? That is correct, sir. Uh, we're playing for more than just a bell, if I'm not mistaken, given these two teams and their standing this season within their conference, right?
1: What is amazing to me is that this is the first winner-take-all in terms of the postseason that these teams have ever played in. Hmm. And part of that is the concept that you know postseason football and small college football is a relatively new concept. Like, for example, this is the 50th IHSAA football state tournament, not a similar level of time in terms of the smaller colleges having a chance to play for something beyond their conference championship, or or something like a bowl game. Like there have been teams in the past that have played in this area. Something called the the, the Mineral Water Bowl, uh, you know, you know, four or five decades ago. You know, Wabash played in the Division Three Championship game in 1977, but this is the first time in three different leagues that these two teams have met each other. Where they know the winner is the outright conference champ and is going on to a postseason game. Wabash is seven and two. DePaul is eight and one. Both teams are uh, are six and one in uh, North Coast Athletic Conference play, and it should be a heck of a football game tomorrow afternoon at Nick Moroz's Field at Blackstock Stadium.
2: All Wabash, buddy, and high scoring. Correct.
1: Well, DePaul has the best defense in the league, but Wabash has the best offense potentially in Division three football. So, Liam Thompson, where is he from, Jake? Uh,
3: that would be North Central, correct?
1: Yes, Liam Thompson R. Um, will likely be the leading passer in the history of the North Coast Athletic Conference and Wabash College at the end of next year. With about 170 yards tomorrow, he'll have the single season – passing record at Wabash College. 32 touchdowns, five interceptions, and they've been putting points on everybody. Leading passing offense in D3, second overall offense in Division three, and so if, if if this is Wabash's type of game, it's likely going to be a high-scoring game, too.
2: Rake, enjoy that. I know that's a special one each year. And um, hopefully, it looks like, I mean, cooler temps, but it looks like it'll be a nice day from Greencastle on that one. And then we'll listen to you coming up on the post-game show. Uh, kind of a late one with a 405 kick from Vegas. Rake, thank you.
0: You got it. Raise a spoon to grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. participate participating McDonald's for a limited time.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: College basketball underway in the state of Indiana. Seen a lot of teams already in action. Ball State, a big win in their opener over Erlum. They've got Indiana State coming up. Uh, We chatted with this man when he was hired back in the spring, and he's with us again. He is Michael Lewis. The head first year head coach for the Ball State Cardinals, Coach. Good morning. Thank you for being extremely prompt with us on this Friday morning.
5: Uh, good morning, to you guys. It's uh, excited to be here.
2: What you like about the other night? Obviously, the score speaks for itself. Um, what did you like that uh, stood out the most about your bunch?
5: well i w- I was uh, going back to our scrimmage versus Wright state i was I was pleased with how we competed that day um and then we got into our exhibition game with DePaul and <clears throat> really struggled uh the first half and i just i i didn't feel like we had um you know respect for the game a sense of urgency um attention to detail in a in a scout and you know any of those things that go into to winning and um so I was very very happy coming out against Earlham um just our maturity as a team and our approach to that game and, and um, you know, just how we, we, her- how we handled our business. Um, you know, that game, you know, got, got away, and in the second half we could have done some things that were out of character um, and, and some things that, you know, if you lump them linger, lead to losing, uh, maybe not in that game, but in the, in the future, and our guys had a real mature approach about how we wanted to play on both ends of the floor and, and execute it. So um, I saw some growth um in our in our Earlham game uh, from our DePaul game, which was good um but now we're we're stepping up a weight class and and uh, get an opportunity to get on the road and go compete
3: as a first year head coach who is working obviously with an inherited roster, I mean it goes without saying how big a challenge is that from the coach's standpoint? like which is more difficult? having the wherewithal as a coach to make wrinkles about your schematics because of the players you have or Getting those players to conform to what you want them to do, even though it's a new system for them.
5: Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, You know, first of all, I got you know these are these are my guys now. You know, I don't uh, I don't get into all that who recruited who or what I inherit or not. They're my guys now, and um, you know I, I got to give credit to Coach Whitford. There's some there's some talented young men on our on our roster you know we we have enough to be able to compete now I think we have to tighten up a few screws and be, be better in a lot of different areas um, but <clears throat> I, I got to be able to establish um, kind of how I want to play when I say how I want to play I'm talking about um, you know good shots ball movement um, you know tough defensively you know you know, dominating the glass, those things. Now, schematically, where I put people, like I've got, I've got to put guys in positions where they can be successful. You know, I can't come in here and, oh, this is how I'm going to do this because it's how I've always done. Like it, that may not lead to winning. So, I've got to figure out different ways of putting these guys in, in positions to win and, and how to best uh, utilize what we have on this roster as we build this program.
2: Kenny's okay, Michael Lewis, first year head coach at Ball State, with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Curious how the season is here, Coach, and you being, you know, your first year from like a recruiting footprint. um, What does that look like in season for you? I mean, how many hours a week would you say once you have started, you know, your actual basketball season, are you spending on recruiting, whether it be attending games, practices, or just as a staff kind of evaluating guys? Uh, Because I I don't know, maybe it would be different if this was your fifth or sixth year and you had more of a kind of an established rapport obviously you're a name that people know around the state but now i'm curious how many hours that you spend on yeah that? we
5: you know we i i don't know if i can put a number on the hours I, I do know we've got a staff that's all connected to the state and connected you know to different parts of the the country as well um we've all recruited you know quality players at every every different stop um you know we just signed a um a really good young man out of Alparaiso, Mason Jones. Yesterday, that we're super excited about. He's going to continue to to add the length and versatility and skill and toughness. Um, you know that we're we're looking for, and so you know that like it's recruiting is the the heartbeat of any program. Yeah, and um, you know obviously you've got to have a real pulse on that, and and um, you know who's in your area and who's available and what's going on with them, um, and in establishing those relationships. Um, but it, it probably does take a little bit smaller backseat. Um, at least from my standpoint, as I'm trying to prepare our team for for games. But uh, that's why you have an outstanding staff.
2: Do you have a balance in relying on the transfer portal versus the high school? Yeah, I think we're still figuring that out. You know, I, I think
5: that the trend. You know, everybody talks about the portal and and hurting high school recruiting, and you know, I, I don't know if I. I think there's there's some truth to that. I think the bigger thing that has hurt high school recruiting um, is the COVID and the extra year that all these guys have have gotten in college. Like you 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 know, you're, you're not. You know, you're not emptying out a whole class every year and and then you have the portal and the guys like you, you've got guys that are in college that are going to be here five and sometimes six years, you know, and it's, it's difficult to recruit a high school kid at 18, um, that's going to come in and make a big impact when you can go get a 22 year old that's played three or four years of college basketball. I think that has been a bigger detriment to high school recruiting than the transfer portal. But, um, I think for us, um, it's something that you got to utilize. Uh, you've got to be in front of it. It doesn't matter if I like it or don't like it or think it's right or wrong. I've got to figure out what's best for Ball State and and how we can put our our team together to compete for championships.
3: Now, I'm looking at the team photo here. Can you guys just move full-time to these all-black uniforms with red trim? Oh, they're
5: sweet, right? Yeah, those are pretty sweet. No, those
3: are good. That's a good look for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like, seriously, like, that's kind of... I mean,
5: I went to North Central, so maybe I'm biased by the color scheme, but that looks sweet, man. No, it's really good. Um, you know, our, our guys like them, and, and uh, there's some about road black uniforms that just that just stand out. But uh, if if they don't win some games, I'm throwing them away. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know what's funny, though? I think I might have mentioned this to you the last time we had you on, Coach. Michael Lewis is our guest from Ball State. Uh, I love, to me personally, and I'm not just saying this to, like, blow smoke, but Worthen Arena, to me, that opened, I think, either when I was late high school or or, or early in my college years which was a long time ago and yet it looks the exact same I mean I would think that that's got to be a huge like recruiting tool towards getting people to come to play at Ball State and when you walk in you got to think to yourself like it's pretty cool to have the keys to that place I just think it's a great venue but what can you guys do to get it packed and get it back to where it needs to be
5: well, we got to win games. And, and um, you know, it is, it's a great venue. Our practice facility is, is beautiful. It's only three or four years old. Um, exactly what you need um, for our guys to get in the gym and get better. But I, I really like Worth, and I think it, it can be, um, you know, a really good place to play. We're doing some things for the students. Our students, um, you know, we had 700 students to, to the Earlham game. And, and I, don't, I don't, like I told, I told some reporters when they asked about it, I was like, I don't know what's normal here. Like I don't and they were like, "Oh, that's not normal." And I said, "Well, you know we're doing some promotions for the students. Um, you know I'm, I'm trying to get out and about and involved and um, getting those guys here. and like <clears throat> you know like my, my biggest thing about you know student, students are, are the, they're the heartbeat of a university. you know they, they can they can do a lot of things um, you know positively for your university, for your athletics and and uh, you know we've got an opportunity. Um, with our basketball program um, to, to take this thing to a different level. And the students can be a big part of that. Part of that. So we're doing some different things for them. Um, They've they've jumped on board. I want them. I want them to continue to grow it. Like you know, we got we got 14 home games. I think left. Like wh- why can't we bring the party in Worthen Arena? You know, everybody in college is looking for a party. Let's bring the party in the Arena and and um, you know make this thing a, a really a fun fun environment to to play in and and to watch a game. You know, and I talk. I was telling the students. You know, like. Our guys, I tell our guys all the time, you get you get one opportunity to be a college basketball player. Well, you get one opportunity, basically, to be a college student. And you can do some crazy, stupid things in college. And when you walk out of there, you just kind of check it up to college and it erases your record, man. So let's, let's blow this thing out of the water and have a good time with it.
3: You know, I think it's fascinating. We, we've talked this week, Coach, about, like, Jeff Saturday making the move to head coach of the Colts. And I was saying to Kevin, when you see players that were naturally great players, that were just naturally gifted players, try to become a coach, sometimes it's difficult because what was instinctive to them is not instinctive to a lot of players. And and I think sometimes coaches forget that. And sometimes you need a guy that and I am I hope you don't take this as a diss on your playing style when you were a player.
5: No, I wasn't but, a great player. <laughs> I, well, but me, you I got the it. most yeah.
3: out of yourself, right? So like you were a scrap claw guy. In other words, I feel like you are a guy that probably can relate to your 15th man as well as you relate to your top guy. And that's what makes a great coach. Is that and and I that's what I think of Jeff Saturday from a coach's perspective. Is that a safe assessment on relatability towards towards roster?
5: You know, I I, I think you're onto something there. I don't know, um, you know, if I completely agree with it because I, I can also be um, harder on guys um, because of how I was able to compete at the right. Level you I knew completed. how bad you wanted it, right? And and so I knew I knew like all right, like. I, I think that the the worst thing you could ever label an uh, athlete is soft. I think that's the worst thing you can say. Like if you want to say like, hey Mike, you couldn't have gone right, that's fine, that's your opinion. You know, like or you weren't a great shoe, that's fine, your opinion. Like what if, but if you called me soft, like I that I can control that by how I how I operate, how I play, how I compete. And so, you know, I do think um because I wasn't the most talented or, you know, the most athletic or most skilled this, um, You know, I I can relate with our players a little bit, but the one thing I cannot tolerate and I cannot understand is a lack of toughness or a lack of want to compete. Like Like, we have a game on Saturday. It's on the schedule. We have to go to Terre Haute. We have to play. We might as well compete our ass off and try to win the game.
2: You mentioned Indiana State again. Michael Lewis with us here, the head coach of the Ball State Cardinals. They are at Indiana State coming up tomorrow afternoon. Um, how has scheduling worked for you in this first season? I know you guys are going to the Bahamas here coming up. Um, non. Well, that sounds like
3: it schedules pretty well.
2: Yeah, right. It's pretty good.
0: Huh?
5: Yeah. yeah. yeah that's so far, so good. The right. Staff there. Appreciate that one. <laughs> Speaks appreciate for itself.
2: <laughs> um, but like from a MAC program standpoint, I would find it. It's probably difficult. And I don't know. Maybe you don't want to schedule these games. Maybe you do. Do. I'm curious your thoughts. I would think I'd find it difficult for like a quality power five team to say, Oh yeah, let's invite Ball State to our home arena. Yeah. I, like yeah. I, I just can't see that being uh no, something a power five coach would want to do.
5: No, I mean, scheduling is getting more and more difficult, and and I think um you know more of our schedules are getting scripted. You know, like the power five are getting in these different challenges and marquee events, and they're starting to have some mid major events like us going to the Bahamas uh for the Bahamar tournament. Um, you know, are the Mac Conference just did a home-and-home home deal with uh, the Sun Belt, you know, which kind of takes up two games, it, which is why I, I really appreciate this series with, with Indiana State. You know, I like, I'm getting on an airplane, guys, on, uh, on Tuesday to fly to Omaha to play a college basketball game. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that I inherited. I, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me when you have all these different um, similar-type programs in our geographical area that we can we can get to quickly and more efficiently and more costly <laughs> like, like less costly um, it'd be better on everybody's budget so I, I think you know I'm excited about um, I like the in-state rivalries I like the Indiana State series that we've, we, we've signed up to continue um, I like the series that we've started with Evansville that we're going to continue I uh, hopefully in the future uh, I'd like to get more um, you know Regional type games like 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 IU-P-Y, USI is now a Division One Valparaiso like what why are we not playing these schools that are you know that that drive interest um, for our fans they're, they're names that we know um, in our state and you know like basketball is huge here so why why are we not playing each other um, it can be it can be good for attendance um, they're quality games and it can be good for for our budgets
3: I just um, think it's fun before. too coach I mean you know. Take USI. You know, I mean, you, you probably got a lot of kids that go to Ball State who have high school buddies that go to USI, right? So, like, it's fun. I mean, it, it creates fun little rivalries. Guys want to pack in the car and take a road trip for three hours to go watch you on the road. I just think, I mean, it is fun. That's what college think, is all about, to your point, yeah. right?
5: Yeah, I think things just resonate different. You know somebody from that place, whatever, you know, like, you know, us going down to play Coastal Carolina and in, in whatever, the, the, what the MAC has established for in the future, like, I don't know, you know, what that does. Is that, does that do more, does that excite our crowd more to bring a Coastal Carolina or South Alabama into Worthen compared to Valparaiso? right you know i i or a right state or a you know whatever like i i don't I don't know you know, but um scheduling is 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 probably um one of the most difficult things with this job. you get in the contracts, you get in you know and then there's dates and there's times, and you know i mean it's it's a mess um and like i, I didn't I, I really appreciate Earlham coming over here and, and playing for an opener I tried um we worked and worked and worked to get um, a home opener here um, that that I thought was, was, was good. Um, and we just, we just couldn't make the things work. And so very appreciative of Earlham coming over here. Like one of the teams that I had talked to you guys was, was Manhattan.
6: Hmm.
5: Okay. Well, that's great. But now next year I got to go to Manhattan and that's going to be a forty forty $45,000 trip. Like, is, you know, like I also got bosses I have to report to, you know, and I have a budget that I need to stay in. Like, is that, is that the best thing for our program? And so as I get a grip of this schedule in the future, um, I'd like to add some more regional opponents.
2: It's really interesting things that you don't, I think, initially think about um, with these jobs. Well, safe travels over to Terre Haute. Good luck against the Sycamores on Saturday. And as always, Michael, we uh, really enjoy your time.
4: All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: Yeah, there's a football game. 405 from Las Vegas. Colts and Raiders coming up. Our coverage, what am I seeing up there, Mark? 1 o'clock looks like. Begins for us uh, leading into Sunday's game. Obviously, a ton to get to storyline wise. And Matt Taylor, maybe I should have texted you to give you a little bit of heads up, but I kind of wanted to start off with just you interacted with Frank Reich a whole lot. Um, You know, you talked with him on Monday nights, Colts Roundtable Live. We'll hear Colts Happy Hour tonight. And um, you and Frank talked every Friday as well, and I think had a, a lot of interaction. Um, just kind of wanted to give you the chance to, um, chat about your relationship with Frank Reich, um, during a time professionally where things changed a whole lot for you and becoming the uh, voice of the Colts.
6: Yeah. Um, no, I I appreciate that because that that's the hardest part of of this for me. You know, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's a tough, cold hearted business. It's a bottom line deal. And so everybody knows what they're getting into when you sign up for it. But, uh, you know, I, I I had a really good relationship with Frank and, and actually it's more Frank than it was me. Um, you know, Frank just treated me with a lot of kindness and respect. And, you know, like I was thrown into a, a tornado in, in 2018. Um, you know, when, when everything happened, you know, on the interim basis with me and, um, he made it just, uh, incredibly easy for me to, uh, gain information from him uh he treated me with a ton of kindness and respect and uh, also just trust as well because we would we would talk about you know game plan stuff and you know out of respect for him I never asked him more than what I thought I really needed to know that would help me in terms of game preparation and just kind of like setting up your spotting chart and being able to anticipate you know a guy in this role or this guy's going to play in this package um so he didn't have to do that. He, you know, he he obviously would give me information on a Friday um, and, and trust me with it, and, and know that I was going to hold it and and not do anything with it because it was just going to help me, you know, do my job better. Um, and so I just learned a lot about the game from Frank, and uh, you know, just admired the way he, you know, carried himself and and handled his business in good times and in bad. And you know, so from that standpoint, I'm really going to miss. Uh, those conversations on Mondays and Fridays, because he was just a total pro Um, and he, he answered the bell every single time and he just made it easy on me. I mean, in fact, there were times where, you know, the Colts would, they would lose a game or they would stub their toe or would be a, you know, a tough, you know, day after having to come and do a Monday show and he would apologize to me. He's like, sorry, I made your job harder. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Like who says that? Um, So from that angle, I'm going to miss, Frank Reich as a as a person because he was a really um, he was a really good person to interact with and again he just treated me with a lot of kindness and respect.
3: Have you interacted with him since the news that he was no longer part of the organization?
6: Yeah, I I dropped him a line and uh, he got back with me and uh, you know I know his phone's probably blowing up and so I I gave him a couple days to um, you know kind of get his get his things in order. I know he's you know going to visit with uh, family right now. He's probably in north carolina visiting with family so um i shot him a line and and, uh you know we kind of did it that way but uh yeah kind of left him alone for a couple days because i know his his uh his phone's probably been blown up with a lot of people just wanting to you know chat and and figure out what his next move is
3: matt will there be a challenge for jeff saturday i guess if you could kind of give us an idea within the locker room And I know that you're not like actively like in the locker room, but you're in the building. So I don't think anybody denies that Jeff Saturday is a super likable and believable guy. And I mean, everybody likes Jeff Saturday, right? But everybody liked Frank Reich a lot in terms from the player standpoint and speaking of him the way in which you are. Will that make things at all difficult for Jeff Saturday? Is he walking into a similar tornado as you did in terms of getting people to believe in him?
6: Yeah, I mean, that's his challenge this week, and he was real about that. He's got to build up trust, and he's got to build up loyalty, and, you know, he was, uh, you know, on on one end, he was honest about that, and I think the players uh, in the locker room are honest about it as well. You know, Zaire Franklin said, you know, trust, and um, again, I just use the word loyalty and, uh, you know, belief. that That's built up over time, and so guys are definitely going to come in and respect uh, Jeff Saturday because of, you know, his resume and the fact that he's you know, very well-spoken and has a terrific, you know, football IQ. And, I mean, just the fact that he's been on, I mean, he said it the other day, right, 14 seasons, 13 seasons in the NFL and, you know, 12 of those years making the playoffs and AFC championship games and Super Bowls and playing with Hall of Famers and, you know, guys that are in the ring of honor around him that he played with. So there's there's no question he he knows good football when he sees it and he knows how to prepare to play well on Sundays. But that's going to be his challenge this week is, you know, getting and I think that's I think that's why he's here is just trying to you know come in and, and build a spark and, and and build some unity within this team right now. And you know, I, despite the fact that he's never coached at any level other than high school in Georgia, um, you know he he knows what it is to be a head coach. You're sort of an administrator of the staff, and you're you're trying to again just build up belief and, 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 and gain that unity inside the locker room. And so he's going to have to do that in short order. But um, you know, at least for this game, anyways. But I think that that major trust, that major buy-in, you know, that's obviously going to have to come over time as you know this season goes on here with eight games to play.
2: Good voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Colts off to Las Vegas this weekend. Matt Taylor will be out till the wee hours of the morning. Uh, coming up Saturday night, just the oxygen just <laughs> pumping into his body from the uh, casinos. No
3: casinos Be bet careful. on black or yeah. bet on red? They got, red? They got
2: no clocks in those casinos, Matt. Be careful. That's right, man. You're going to have to scrape me off the pavement yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Anybody say Taylor? You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> again, the late bus. I'm taking a late bus. <laughs> there is a football game, and you probably more than anybody know that because you've had to prepare for it all week long. And the Raiders are 2-6, and six, Matt. But I would also argue, in terms of a quarterback, running back, wide receiver trio, this is probably the best trio the Colts have faced all season in Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, and Devonta Adams.
6: No, without question. I mean, this is you got two and six and three five and one, and the amount of star power on on both sidelines for both of these teams that are under five hundred uh, is it, it, alarming. And I know that Hunter Renfro is not going to play. Same thing with Darren Waller. Um, and then, in fact, Blake Martinez, who's one of the best tacklers since you know 2016, he just retired. So there's a lot of you know even more interesting storylines in this game. But yeah, I mean, for a two and six team, um, they they've got so much talent to be you know underperforming to this degree. I mean, Demonte Adams leads the NFL in catches, receiving yards, and touchdowns among wide receivers since 2016. You guys both know how much I like Derek Carr as a player and, and sort of admire, you know, what he's been able to accomplish on some bad teams with bad defenses, you know, complementing that offense. Um, and then you look for the Colts sideline. They've got seven pro bowlers last year, a bunch of all pro players. So both teams are, you know, very underwhelming to this point in terms of expectations that, that you know, the outside uh, you know, media, if you will, had uh, in place for him at the beginning of the season. Um, so, yeah, this is this is a very very interesting game with all of that firepower on offense for the Raiders. You know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have talked about it. They've lost you know five games this year, and I should say they're 0 and five in one score games, and they've blown three games where they're up by at least 17 points, which is tied for the most uh, 17 blown 17 point blown leads in NFL history. Um, So, yeah, they're trying to put it all together here. There's still eight games to play for both of these teams. In fact, the Raiders have nine games because they've already had their bye. Um, So they're kind of at a crossroads here, both of them, and uh, trying to get on a a little bit of a roll. But um, I actually think the Colts have a really good chance to win this football game despite all the changes they made this week because defensively they're not very good. And then on offense, you know, they've they've lost some of that uh, security blanket for, for Derek Carr with Renfro in the slot. And then with the hybrid matchup that Darren Waller presents.
3: Matt, I'm hoping you can do me a favor here and repeat after me. You ready? Um, I, well, it depends on what you say. <laughs> y- Yannick Ngakwe. Unique y- Ngakwe. Sorry, Unique Ngakwe. Okay, go ahead. So we'll do it again. Unique Ngakwe. Unique y- Ngakwe. Y- Ngakwe. Okay, we just wanted verifiable proof that you were able to say his name because you haven't had much occasion to this year. Oh, but geez. Kevin yeah. and I, well, I, but I said to Kevin, it, it there were not a lot of silver linings in the last you know week or two for the Colts, but but I felt like he was starting to percolate just a little bit. Uh, am I being too optimistic about him? No, and in, in fact, I think he's been. I think he's played better than maybe under the radar.
6: He's played better than than maybe what the outside perception is of him. And I know a lot of people just point to the sacks. You know, he's only got X amount of sacks, and that's the end all be all. But I mean, I think this defensive line and this, this defense as a whole has played very, very well and, and I think the, the unfortunate part of it is that they they just don't have anything to show for it, right? Because you're on a three game losing streak and you know, I know they gave up that eighty nine yard drive to the commanders a couple of weeks ago there in the fourth quarter. But outside of that, I mean you look up all of a sudden here now, this defense is, you know, fifth in the NFL in, in total yards and I think their points allowed or their their points against them is a very deceiving number, and I think, Kevin, you would agree because of all the short field that the, the offense has put the defense in. Um, I mean, if you just go back to last Sunday, I mean, I said earlier this week the had the block punt that resulted into a touchdown a couple of plays later when the Patriots offense was out there, and then the Colts threw a pick six. Outside of that in the last two games, it's been a boatload of field goals, and so I, I think this defense right now is kind of hitting its stride and I think you can kind of lump in Unique Ngakwe with that as well. I think that the strength of this team right now is the defensive line with Ngakwe, Grover Stewart's playing out of his mind, DeForest Buckner has five sacks in the last five games, and he's playing compromise still. He's still got that elbow injury. So I think this defensive line is doing some really good things, and Ngakwe's playing against the run better, and you know that's something that's not going to show up in the box score. He does have a couple of sacks in the last couple of games, so he's going to be fired up for this game. You know, anytime you're traded, you know, even if you're going to a perceived better, you know, destination, if you will. Anytime you're traded, you do have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. And obviously, I think the same goes. Uh, the same is true for Rocky Yassine you know, because he was the other end of that trade on the Colts end, going to Las Vegas. Um, so there's going to be some juice in this game. Gus Bradley going up against Derek Carr. You know, those two guys squared off every day in practice last year, so this is going to be a fun game despite all the storylines that happened before the game
3: kicked off this week. It's funny, Matt. I mentioned yesterday I went on with uh, JT The Brick, who does Raiders radio, and to yeah. do like a preview, and and I, I actually name-dropped you because I told him, I said, look, there aren't a lot of times that I've exchanged midnight text messages with Matt Taylor for the obvious reasons, but one of them would be one night, I don't remember when it was, but... Derek Carr made some play, and you and I both were like, look, man, that's why we like this guy. I just – I mean, I think he can flat-out play, man. I do, yeah. I mean, and he's and he's having, you know, a little bit of a, a tough
6: go here with the transition with uh, with uh, with the new head coach and the new play caller in McDaniels. But, yeah, there's just times over the years – and I really fell in love with him in 2019. You know, it was kind of an early season game. I think it was like week three, week four. The Raiders came in here, and he just – he orchestrated just a, a, a surgical game against the Colts, and I just came away, uh, you know, from that game thinking this, this guy can be my quarterback anytime. He is, and plus he's a leader of men. He and is. You see him in the you see him in the locker room. He says all the right things in uh, in press conferences and after games. You know, with with interviews, he's a very likable guy, in my opinion. And the crazy thing, and as, as I said before, he's had a bunch of bad, bad defenses since he broke into the league in two thousand fourteen. You know, if he's like Tom Brady with the Patriots early in his career where he's got you know a team that's going to hold somebody to under 20 points routinely, we might be thinking of, of Derek Carr maybe in a different light. But, yeah, I, I, I definitely do not shy away from my bromance with Derek Carr.
2: Matt Taylor, last one from me. Um, I mentioned on Sunday something I'd like to see from a Jeff Saturday coach team is just better communication on the O-line. You know The mishandling of stunts was a big, big problem for this team early on in Foxborough on Sunday. Whether it's practice-wise with Saturday now running the show or Sunday, um, what do you think we might see differently? I think it's really hard to just come in midseason, not know the offense, defense, special teams, and implement a whole lot, but what do you think we might see? And maybe it'll be hard to see, I guess, some of the stuff.
6: Yeah, that's a great question, and I, I don't have the answer to that because, I mean, you're talking about Jeff Saturday, uh never been on an nfl sideline as a coach before uh parks fraser calling plays first time he's going to do that so you're right they're not going to just scrap the entire playbook because you can't do that you don't have enough time to do that um so i I would i would suspect and and assume and again this is an assumption on my part you're just going to simplify some things that's what i I thought Matt.
3: Uh, honestly i mean i not to cut you off there my apologies but i i I said the same thing earlier i'm like you know maybe jeff saturday's a guy that because he's been in the trenches as a lineman knows like hey in order to get this thing in the right direction let's simplify it first and then build from there you know Uh, what i mean
2: and parks frazier said that yesterday
6: you know the the less you think i mean i can i can raise my hand on this one the less you think the better you are (laughs) so i mean it's keep it simple stupid that's the kiss method and you know, so I, I think that's might that might be where the Colts, you know, try to 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 win this week is just let's let's pick the things that we do really well in, and at the end of the day, execution beats everything else. And so the less you think out there, it might be better for the offensive line. And I know they've got a lot of, you know, some some rules and principles they have to follow, and that always gets kind of muddied up and mucked up when uh, you talk about you know stunts and line games and twists and things like that. It can get confusing. So, the, so when you simplify things, again, the less you think, and then maybe you have a higher degree of execution because of that. But um, th- th- from a from an offensive standpoint, with all this newness, um, it's definitely going to be fascinating. It's definitely going to be interesting to see, you know, identity-wise, what this offense looks like now.
2: What happens in Vegas? Well, if you, lose, if you lose, if you lose, you hope it
3: stays in Vegas. If you win, you want it coming back.
2: It's a really good point. <laughs> Very good point. You guys are my wolf pack. Thank you. That's right. Gosh, I feel honored. I'm adding that to my Twitter profile. We're the three best friends that anybody could ever have. Maytay, enjoy. Hey, I'll I'll be your Doug, all right? I'll be your Doug. (laughs) That's right. Enjoy the trip. Longest one of the year for the Colts. I know it kind of creates a chaotic week for you next week, uh, but safe travels. Have a great call.
6: Uh, It's all good. I appreciate you guys.